0: Welcome to Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm Lindsay, a copywriter and certified coach with nearly two decades of experience. I've seen it all in both the corporate world and in entrepreneurship, and I'm here to spark conversation about the things that matter most. Reprogramming is a podcast to help you shift perspective, consider new viewpoints, and challenge your old belief system around business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, empowerment, and more. If you are ready to reprogram your life for more success, fulfillment, and joy, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm your host, Lindsay. We're going to get into some deep stuff today. We'll talk about how a major life change, like how losing someone you love, can affect every single part of your life and business. If you've ever experienced this type of change or loss, you'll relate to what our guest has to say on the topic today. Today's guest is Aaron Pennings, part brand messaging strategist and part copywriter. Aaron draws on 20 years of marketing experience to help small businesses, entrepreneurs, and startups turn their brand into customer magnets. Using her proprietary reach visibility trajectory, flexible framework, she helps you to clarify your message and delivers a blend of strategy and copy to tell your story at every stage of the funnel. Erin and I cross paths with the wildly fabulous network of copywriter copywriters that we are both a part of, and I have been a fan of hers for some time now. So Erin, I'm thrilled to have you on
1: Reprogramming. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I always like smile and cringe equally when someone says you've been doing this for twenty years because it's like no, it's been twenty years. But I've been a big Lindsay fan for a long time, so I want to just like,
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Well, I I feel the same as when I look back at how long I've been in marketing, and I realize we're coming up on two decades. It's frightening, isn't it? Absolutely terrifying. <laughs>
1: So, but the cool part is we have lots of great stories to share. So we do. And it's like that same realization that your best friend has been your best friend for 35 years. And it's like, how am I old enough to have <laughs> I just
0: realized the other day I'm driving in my car and I have my girls with me and I have Nirvana on and I'm thinking, look at me raising my kids on Nirvana. And I'm like, wait, how am I a mom? Like, how am I this old that I'm sharing Nirvana with my children? And this is like the new classic rock. Like, what is happening?
1: Right. And it's like, I'm the cool mom. And it's like, actually, that's really old. That's true.
0: <laughs> so, so Erin and I have lots in common and I would love for her to share a little bit about herself. And Erin, can you tell us where you're from and how you became a brand messaging strategist and copywriter?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Alaska in a small ski town and everyone's always like, what was it like growing up in Alaska? And the truth is, is that I don't know anything else. So I'm like, well, it was, you know, just normal for me at the time. Um, But everything that I've ever done has been in the sphere of tourism and marketing. My degree is kind of the outlier. It's an anthropology in Spanish. And so I went to college in Oregon my freshman year. I was like, I'm going to do international studies and it's going to be so cool. And I'm going to do all this traveling and it's going to be absolutely amazing. And then I realized how much it was costing me for out-of-state tuition and that it was free for me to go to school in Alaska. So I moved back to Alaska where there was no international relations piece or international studies. And it was like, anthropology, this is super cool. It's probably the closest thing there is. And then I got super into it and I was like, oh, and I'm going to go work in museums and I'm going to build this custom master's program. And I got to the finish line and I was like, I don't want to do my own. <laughs> I want to talk about and learn about what other people are doing. And then, um, so I like kind of abandoned all the ship <laughs> completely and I started traveling and I started working and marketing was kind of the answer. And I was marketing in marketing jobs through college as well. And you know, all kinds of crazy college jobs, like working in restaurants. And we've, many of us have been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But uh, to circle back to the original question was, how did I get into this? I don't want to say that it fell into my lap because it couldn't be further from the truth, but all roads have led me here. I have always worked with people. I have always of made it a game to try to make this connection where people smile. It was something that my dad and I did. And he would always, you know, we'd get to a grocery store and whoever the cashier was might be having a bad day. And he would do everything in his power to make that person smile or laugh. And he had like the wildest, most sarcastic, not even really sarcastic, but just clever sense of humor. And so I was like, ooh. really fun to turn people's days around. So it always was kind of like, okay, what's going to connect with them in this moment? What is going to uh, maybe turn this this day into at least just this little moment of of something happy um, or worth smiling about? And so part of that, I really do think, has kind of led here. Like, how do I connect with this person? How do I connect with this person in customer service? And then as I got into more of the marketing side of things, uh, whether it was an internship at a museum or whether it was sales and marketing for helicopter flight scene tours, it's like, what are people interested in? What is this angle? And like everything has really built on that foundation and brand messaging is so integral to that. It's what is going to move the needle for people but yet what still feels really authentic to me in this business that I'm building or, um, you know, for larger companies that feels close to our company values.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, your dad sounds amazing. I can't wait to hear more about him. And um, I also love that you mess You mentioned brand messaging strategy and how that is so integral to. The bigger picture of marketing and moving the needle in people's businesses. And even today in 2023, I still feel like people miss that point. They just think, oh, whatever. It's just, but it's just so important to make that connection that you talked about. So I have to ask my selfish question. Um, it, once you guys get to know Erin and you want to reach out to her, she'll share all of her information at the end, but um, your business, am I wrong? Is it called copy snacks and it is called copy snacks it's one of the best names I've ever heard of and please tell me how you came up with copy
1: snacks I would love to hear the story so it is a longer story when I first started my business um technically it goes back to like 2013 but it was always like EP marketing and for a long time it was just Aaron Pennett pinnings like not even solopreneur, just like marketing contractor. Um, and there wasn't an official business name for a long time. But when I first became an LLC in 2019, it was like EP marketing. Cause I had to have something to put on the invoices. And I was like, Oh, I want to be official and legal. And it was like, well, that's really lame and boring. That's obviously me. And I, not that I'm lame or boring, even though I have my moments, especially if you're my children. <laughs> <laughs> but um I was like this justn't doesn't, doesn't connect, and it's super obviously me. And there's no ability for me to grow or shift or change or even sell the business down the term down the long term if it's EP marketing. And ironically enough, my own marketing had this huge disconnect because I really wasn't sure what I was doing. And I mean, I think we're all still growing up and maturing our businesses as we go, which is the point of your podcast here that it's it's all about constantly growing. Um but anyway, so I was like all down, I was having problems with my cell phone provider and they'd, they'd changed this plan. And so I was driving around to every uh, AT&T store in Green Bay and I was hangry and I wasn't making any money yet or not enough to justify like going out to eat just because I wanted to. And I was like, I just want chips and salsa. I just <laughs> want to go to this Mexican restaurant and I probably shouldn't, I should just go home. And I'm like you just keep reaching for those chips and it's so good. And, and <laughs> all of these things. And I was like, gosh, there's something there. Cause remember like this business disconnects going on in the back of my head. I'm like, people just want to be that. People want to be this irresistible snack and this irresistible appetizer that you also want to be the main event that like, let's not get wrong. And you want to be the dessert and you want to be all these other things, but you want people to keep coming back to keep reaching for you. And I was like, hmm, I'm a copywriter you want to be snacks, copy snacks. <laughs> and I like was like, you know, uh, hit the brakes, steer, like <laughs> I'm going home, I've got to write this down. And so I came up with this like manifesto. It's not even really a manifesto, but like all of these little sound bites that most of them just stuck around for the first year, more or less in my business. And I think I just like last week officially kind of removed the last one from the website because it doesn't, it fits the vibe, but it doesn't necessarily fit the story that i'm telling as much anymore and it took me like 6 months to publish the website but that's a whole different story um but that's how copy snacks was born i
0: love that it was inspired by chips and salsa because <laughs> you know what there's it's great to have an entree but there's just i i'd rather just have an app and or some chips and salsa and like a maybe a margarita that just sounds what I want. thats what I
1: want some glazed shrimp nachos or something. I'm going to be hungry by the time we're done. I know.
0: I was thinking (laughs) that we should have brought snacks to this. We were not planning
1: this well. We were not planning.
0: So you shared a little bit about your dad and I know that you lost him and I would love to hear more about him. And obviously that's such a major perspective shift in life. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it's been eight years, so I can, has it been eight? It's almost nine, nine years in November of this year. So it's been long enough to have some perspective. Um, So if anyone is like much shorter in the journey, there are still tears. um, But like, I don't know, after the first couple of years, it it just shifts, you you learn to live with it. And, um, but it does, it changes everything. So my son was one and a half and, um, it was, it was still working for someone else. I had gone back to work extremely part-time. Um, and it it was an odd fall because my dad was going about setting And like, in retrospect, it's like, did he know? And I don't think he knew he would have told us if he knew how sick he was. Um, but he was like, I'm going to set up this, you know, investment account for your kid and, your mom has to get her knee surgery this fall, like really, really weird stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, um, my grandfather was also not doing well. I'm like, mom, if you need to put this off to go spend time with like, whatever. And my dad was like, oh, no, you are doing this. And it was like, okay. Cause he was not like that. He and I butted heads a lot. We have a lot in common now that I'm older, I can recognize this, um, and we weren't in bad terms, but we certainly, I was never like daddy's little girl. We got along. Um, and the more I learn about him and the more, again, the more perspective I get now that I'm a parent who's like, oh my gosh, like I get it. <laughs> so he was an avalanche coordinator, no, an avalanche controller for the state of Alaska. That's how we got up there. And so he shot down the avalanches or know watch to see when the conditions were right and when they needed to or to manage the conditions for the road system and we lived in a ski resort town so we often like would consult at the resort too and it was just it was just my dad it was just what he did i didn't know like how seemingly random that is (laughs) Such
0: a cool job i know i've I've never heard of that job and like well duh that of course
1: it's a job it's a thing it's a thing and so he went to all these conferences and he taught all these um, avalanche schools at ski resorts in winter towns around the country after he retired from the state of Alaska. And even some when he was still there, anyway, rambling. But um, he was teaching some schools in October, late October of 2014. And he came back and he just, um, he got sick. And that's not uncommon to like get sick after you've been traveling, hiking altitude, whatever, it's the fall, winter, it's crappy time in Alaska. Um, but he wasn't getting better. And so finally he went into the hospital and um they had to intubate him because his oxygen was so low. And we found out that night that he had leukemia, acute myeloid leukemia, which if you don't know about it, most people don't unless you've had experience with it. It is extremely fast acting. There are very few like direct causes unless you maybe had radiation therapy as a child or something younger. So the only two criteria he hit were that he was over 65 and that he was a man. Wow. So, I mean, it's just a testament, like things happen and you have no control over them. Um, No no major risk factors, but he never knew how sick he was. He uh, didn't wake up again after that. And so it was 10 days in the hospital, it was insanely fast, like insanely fast. But in retrospect, I mean, it really, it sucked. Like there's no way around it, it was awful. But we didn't have to watch him not be able to do the things he wanted to do. He was able to do all of those um, right up till the end. Anyway, so like this is this long build up. All this to say, like, it was like world shifting. I was 33. I was not expecting to lose my father at that point. There was no warning. And all of a sudden it was like this identity crisis. And my grandfather ended up passing away two months later. And I was just like, the first time I've ever been in therapy in my life. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I remember calling and leaving a message. And this lady was like, I don't have time in my schedule, but I will get you in. You need me. And I was like, OK. <laughs> and through all of that, I realized that even though I really loved the people I was working with, amazing humans um, in the travel industry doing great things, it was not where I wanted to be. It was not the future that I wanted to build for myself. And I realized um, no one was going to give me the the life I wanted unless I made it happen. And as much as people might love me or, you know, want the best for me, no one was going to make that happen. And so I quit my job. Um, I put my kid on my back and when I say I hiked around Alaska for the next six months, I want you to know, like, I still lived in a house. Like, this was <laughs> nothing, like, <laughs> make any, like make any of the wild type things, right? No, so we, we would go for hikes every day. We joined an organization called Hike It Baby, which has um, now since changed their name, but they're called We Are Outgrown. But I went on hikes every day with my kid. We went on play dates. And it was just like, it was really cathartic. Mm-hmm. And I rediscovered like community and finding people to, I don't know, just do positive things together. And then I very, very slowly like started to work back into the freelance world. And it wasn't even intentional at first. It was just like people like, "Hey, can you write this blog for me?" Or I was like, "Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do this. It's great. You're paying me to do these things." Um, and very slowly but surely, it started building. And then I started marketing contract be, becoming a marketing contractor for um an online business and it was very cool because we moved I could take it with me, which was as a military wife like well oh, I can take this with me I don't have to start over every three years mm-hmm. um it was mind-blowing
0: I am very fortunate that I don't have this experience yet and of course we all you know hope that we don't we can wait a long long time before we have to deal with it but you know that is so jarring to lose a f- uh, a parent so unexpectedly and so quickly and of course you have the hindsight to say like thank god he didn't have to suffer for a long time but i can only imagine how hard that must have been so i'm very sorry for your loss
1: and i'm not trying to gloss over it at all it was like that first year was like this blur like and i don't remember like huge chunks of it
0: yeah oh for sure and I I did, unfortunately, lose my mother-in-law, so I, I, I witnessed my husband go through all that quite suddenly and unexpectedly, and it takes a long time to get to the place where you're at, where you can have, you know, some kind of perspective on the situation, and um, it's just tough.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, it's interesting. I, it was probably only, like, five months later that I started going out, but again, it was, like, I could not sit around. I had a one and a half year old at that point. That's right. And as it turned out, like <laughs> about five days into being a stay at home mom, that the best way to be a stay at home mom is to never be at home. Cause then you're not constantly following up and cleaning after them. So we packed all kinds of snacks in the car and by going out and doing stuff, like it just, it was easier to not be there. Um, uh, a number of reasons, but not the least of which was this kid who was needed to be stimulated by all these things. And, um, it was much easier to have him on my back or like in a controlled area, like even if he was eating dirt, which he did a lot of, um, (laughs) you know, than it was to try to just clean up and keep this kid entertained otherwise.
0: Oh yeah. I hear that. I think almost all parents can relate to that. And again, having such a little one at that time, like that's just enough on its own without having to deal with like this kind of level of trauma at the same time. So what are some of the obstacles that you navigated during this time? So maybe it was right after, or as you started to move forward, was there anything that helped make a difference for you when the
1: times were really hard? You know, that's a really good question. And I'm not, I'm going to cry here. Um, I'm not sure that anything in the moment makes it better. I remember messaging a friend. I'm like, when does this pain stop? <laughs> Bear with me for a minute here. Um, I know no one can see me, but here I am like, shh. Um, and I remember like just sitting down in the shower and sobbing. But I think, I think knowing that those really tough days had endings. Um, And I think like when you get to the year mark and all of a sudden, like you've been through every anniversary, you've been through every birthday, you've been through that. So all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, these days really sucked last year. And I remember this and here's what was going on. But um, I've made it through a 100% track record. And that, that is particularly powerful. And so it doesn't help you in the moment. But it helps you much, much more after the fact. And there's no way around it. There is only going through it and learning to live with it. And I mean, that's the hardest shift, I think, Mm -hmm. is that it's not saying... And we have this weird relationship with death in this country, in, in the Western world in general. But it's like, it just, it fundamentally changes you. And so it changes your relationship with yourself and how you see everything. And learning to accept that is hard. I would say it's like making the switch from being, um, in my life, a 30-year-old woman who has been an only child and has only ever been responsible for herself to all of a sudden being responsible for this tiny human. It is that big of a shift in your life. So it's not something I think you can consciously do. And whatever other people tell you, you're like, yeah, that's not my experience because it's a totally different journey for each of us because we all had different relationships with that person and that version of yourself which Mm -hmm. I mean I feel like it's very very vague yet also extremely specific to talk about
0: I and it's so powerful I think only people that have been through something like this can really understand you know that level of of shifting and, and even looking at like this version of the person I loved and who I was with that person. And suddenly that's over and to move mm-hmm. from
1: there. There's a really powerful poem. It's called the next room. And I am not going to um, find it or read it while we're on this podcast, but I will send you a copy. You can put in the show notes because it was something that I found really, really helpful. And it was, it was about that changing Changing dynamic within your life, changing relationship, but it's super powerful, and it was very, very comforting.
0: Mm, thank you. Yeah, that would be a great, a great resource. Um, I read it now,
1: like I'm going to be a disaster. You're never going to get me. I'm
0: sorry. Me <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, um, no, no. I. It's just a. It's a lot, and even after this time, it's still always there. Like you said, it just changes. Uh, you mentioned that, you know you decided at that time to leave the job you were in. I'm curious if it was something that happened or, uh, you know, after, after going through this, that made you think like, whoa, I got, I got to do something else. Like, was there something in particular that sparked that for you?
1: It probably felt very sudden to the woman who I worked for, but it was not sudden. Um, there had been thoughts for a while that it wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be, but there is a certain comfort in knowing what the situation is and being able to account for things. And I think we've all been there. It's not, sometimes it's not making a change out of fear. And sometimes it's not making a change just because there is so much other chaos in your life that this thing you can count on is worth a lot as like this um, pillar in your life. like Stability. Yeah. That's a really good word. Who knew? <laughs> but yeah, that stability, no matter what it is, is something that you can count on. And so, um, during the time I was in that job, we, we moved cross country. We, um, had a baby. My husband left the military. He was actually in training, um, no way for, for four months, um, with the National Guard while I was going through this. Like he was there when when his dad passed away, but like he left two months later because he had to. And so um, finally it was like, you know what? No matter how stable this is, no matter how good it is, it's not where I want to be. I don't know what I want to do, but I know that it's not this, not right now, maybe later, maybe in a different way. Um, It was not, suffice to say, it was not a sudden thing. It just, it was the right time. And I was like, no one's going to give me the life I want unless I do it. Holy crap. Uh, Like this is this huge epiphany. Yeah, that's a lot
0: of clarity to have on something during a time that can be pretty tumultuous.
1: And it feels like so obvious in retrospect, but I think every single one of us needs to have that before we take any kind of leap, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's a new job, whether it's a cross-country move. And then it's like, well, what's the worst that happens? It doesn't work out and we figure something else out. And that that takes a lot to get to that point. Even now, I'm like, do I want to let this thing go? And it's like, just because you shift gears right now does not mean that you're shifting gears forever. And it's funny, like not to tie this back to what I do, but it's the same thing in copy. People are like, oh, can I say that? And it's like, is this what you want? Is this what you feel? Then yes, say it. There are not so many people out there for most of us. Most of us are not so famous that if we say one wrong word,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: especially if our heart is in the right place, that we can't come back from it. Yeah. Because we don't have people who are watching for us to fail and cheering for us to fail. Most of us just have people that are cheering for us to succeed. And so test something, put it out there. If you hate it, if you don't love it, you can always change it. I feel like you're speaking directly to me
0: because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just blowing blowing stuff up left and right. Cause I'm like nah, I don't know anymore. Nah, I don't know. So it, it's a constant reminder that we all need, especially entrepreneurs, that it's okay to test something and it's okay to say I'm going to do this, and then in three months you're like just kidding. I'm going to try this because. We are usually very fortunate to have people cheering us on. And the person who's really getting in our way is right up here. Number one yep. in the <laughs> noggin. Yep. So I appreciate that. So you shared a little bit about that. That's an incredible perspective. But were there any other like habits, belief systems, or outside factors that you had to confront on this journey? And maybe it was about starting a business of your own. Uh, lacking that stability that you had in your other job, or or just how you kind of incorporated grief during this time? There are
1: two answers to that. And I don't think either one of them is complete. One is I don't really remember. Yeah. And two is, I didn't do a whole lot of thinking for a lot of time. There, were, there was not a lot of conscious decisions, which in itself was freeing. Um, it was like, when I say conscious decisions about like major life changes or directions it was like kind of reduced to where am I going today what am I going to hike today what are what are some of these things that I'm going to do and um you know someone had said early on like the first year is the hardest part after that you've been through it all and so that that is not an original thought by the way <laughs> shared like oh you've been through 100 success rate but that was something I don't even remember who shared that and so I almost you know I could I I I don't know if this is true or not but you could almost describe like it's almost like a deployment because again I military wife my husband had been on three year plus long deployments so it was like it was almost a marathon it was like okay so it's the little things and days are long but the time goes fast Mm -hmm. and um that was very, very true for me, is it was like individual days could be long, but it was like one hike after another. And I, when I say I hiked every day, my friend Aaron and I, I don't think there was a day that went by from May until the end of August. Maybe there was one day or two days in a row here and there that we did not see each other because we were out doing stuff with our kids. And it wasn't like we were best friends before that and we're still friends, but um. We had the time, we just wanted to go out and do stuff. So it was, when I say it wasn't conscious, it wasn't beyond like, what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? Maybe what am I doing next week? But outside of any like races that we signed up for, there was nothing long-term. It was just like taking things bite-sized and one day at a time, which is not easy, especially if you are um, even a portion type A, when you're like plan driven, what are all these things that are gonna happen? but I think that in many ways was easier because all I knew was I had this year. Mm-hmm. One bite at a time. Yeah. And so the, I didn't really have a conscious decision until probably two years after the fact or 18 months after the fact. And I was like, oh, I should maybe do some more work. Yeah, <laughs> And I, it wasn't even a, it was technically a business at that point, but I was working exclusively in other people's businesses. Yeah. So It was a business in that I was a 1099 contractor, but it wasn't really like a business that I thought of as a business that I worked until I was like, you know what? I want control over what I do and who I would do it for. And then that was when it was like, and again, it was an aha. My husband was gone six days a week at that point. I had a five-year-old and a one-year-old, a two-year-old, I don't know. Anyway, little, little kids. And it was not feasible for me to even go to the gym because it was too much work for the specific hours that they had childcare. So I was like, buying a Peloton, buying a weight system, um, getting a job or rather not getting a job because I was not employable for when I could work and when I couldn't work. And if I was, there was no way they were going to pay me enough money to make it worth my while. So I was like, well, I guess I got to open a business and failure was not an option. So it was kind of like, well, what do I do? I guess I keep going.
0: Failure is not an option, which is I don't know. I think sometimes we forget that. <laughs> like if you just, you can make a decision that like there's going to be ups and downs, but we're going to keep at this. And I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, sometimes we get just stuck in our own heads about like, oh, things aren't going well or, oh, this is really hard or, oh, maybe I'm not meant to do this, but there's so much power in making that decision. Like this is what's going to happen and I'll figure it out. Like, I love that.
1: You know, and it's interesting that actually brings to mind um, something someone told me and I'm trying to think who it was or where it was. It's been like well over 10 years, but it was like, does commitment drive passion or does passion drive commitment? And it can go both ways. Like, and I think of it like a marriage almost, like passion drives the initial commitment. Sure, you're in love with this person. You want to be with them, but what keeps you with them? It's that commitment and that allows you to continue with the passion. It's the same, I think, with business. I do what I do because I love it, but when there are slow seasons, when it's a period where I'm like ready to burn it down, and when I was in the think tank, I came to my Tuesday check-ins regularly, and I <laughs> I was like, I'm going to burn it down again, and she's just like, again? Really?
0: <laughs> oh my God, you sound like me.
1: I'm like, hey guys. Uh, yeah, you were saying that. I'm calling you that, and I'm like, oh, I get it, um, but it was that refusal to fail that made it easy to keep going and try new things and you know there are ups and downs even today there's slow seasons there's busy seasons and it's very very hard for me to I mean I've never had a normal year of business since I've been in business because 2019 was my first year then it took off in 2020 and 2021 was still pandemic and it kept going. And 2022, I started to see all the things collapse. And 2023 kicked off. And I was like, wait, we, we talked about this, I think last week in a personal conversation it was like, I've made it. And but there have been some weird slowdown periods in there. And um, like, I think a lot of people are feeling a slowdown in second quarter, 2023. I'm not sure when this publishes, but you know, in second quarter and hopefully by the time third quarter rolls around, Any of the slowdowns have done. And I know summers are slower for many people, but I don't know what a normal cadence of a year is. So I think, I mean, what is normal anymore? And like (laughs) we talk about all the time, my kids don't know what a normal year of school looks like because they've never had normal.
0: Man, we don't talk about this enough. And So many people started businesses around this time, whether it was like right before the pandemic like you or during the pandemic like me. And we have this like kind of warped view of like what to expect because we've never had a quote normal year of business where it's like, yeah, okay, I can expect this pattern. And in the summer, it's definitely going to be slow. So I'll plan for that or, you know, I I'm just like seeing things from this new perspective where we all were on this high. So many of us, uh, during the pandemic, because people were home and people were just consuming and ready to invest. And they had maybe a little extra cash flow and all of this. And now we're getting back to, is this, is this the real world? Like, I, I don't know. I don't think any of us knows. And to your point, like I have a little pandemic baby and she's just like, you know, what's a store, what's a concert? Like she's <laughs> I, guess, I don't think we've had what, what what is normal. I I I want us to explore that more because I don't think we acknowledge enough like what we've all been through and even as business owners during this time like what to expect, what what can we hang on through? What isn't okay? Like so I'm really glad you mentioned that. Uh, it's just kind of the roller coaster of this time.
1: Yeah, I mean there's going to be so much that we're unpacking for years.
0: So, with all of that if you could leave the audience with one fresh perspective to consider in their own lives, what would it be? And you have already given us so many, so (laughs) no pressure. (laughs)
1: Um, Can I leave like three? (laughs) Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think number one is no one is going to make it happen unless you do. So whatever that is, if you could wave a magic wand and figure out like what you want close your eyes, ignore like all the things that you want, all of the problems that are standing in your way. What is this end thing that you want? And, and maybe it's like five years away. Maybe it's 10 years away. Then what are the, then like, look at now, try to look at it as objectively as possible. What would you have done to reach that point? And then you can start to break it off bite by bite by bite. Um, for the record, I still don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Like all of the advice that I give people like kind of like do as I say, not as I do, but you've, you have to find your own path. And that's one of the ways to do that. And so um, what's the worst that happens if you take a leap? Is it life or death? Like you get a new perspective on that. Um, is it like, you know, am I going to live in a cardboard box for the rest of my life if this fails? And the answer is probably not mm-hmm. the, I mean, if the answer is yes, then maybe take it off bite size by bite size. But um, if it's not like what, what is stopping you from trying and then talk to people like, is this really stopping me? Most people will be like, are you insane? Like if I asked you this, you would be like, just do it. It's fine. What's the worst that could happen. And you, you we get in our heads um, about these fears and like, what do they really mean? What is the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think those are the, the two big ones. And the third one is just do it. Like, if you overthink it. So now that I'm like, think through it. Do all the things carefully. I'm like, But on the other hand, maybe you're like me. And you're like, if I think through all of the things, I'm going to think myself out of it. So if I knew half the stuff now that I knew then, would I have done it? Maybe not but I'm sure glad I did. Like, and I wish I'd done it like a heck of a lot sooner. And when I say done it, I mean like starting my business specifically, but, um, I wish I'd done it sooner. Cause I wish I'd known how good it could be. So just cause there's bad times doesn't mean that there's not good times too.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. It's so true. All of it. And I think there can be a really nice balance between reverse engineering and bite-sized pieces and being like, screw it I'm jumping we're just going to do this i think i think that there's no wrong answer so i love both of those perspectives okay so aaron what are you working on now what's coming up for you second half of the year and can you also share how people can get in touch with you
1: what's coming in the rest of 2023 um i am relaunching my course which is called wampum Womp to wow um i had planned to re-engineer it before i relaunched it but um People need something now. So many people are slow right now that people are looking for a way to stand out. So I am launching a reduced price version that is self-paced to help people with this path to move forward. Um, Because sometimes you need a little kick in in the rear end, especially if you're a writer who does this for other people and cannot do it for yourself. So you can take wow and like hack your brain and get your website copied done already. So you can stand out and get all these cool marketing tidbits. Anyway, so that's happening in the background. I'm going to be refreshing it for a uh, relaunch probably sometime in 2024 to be determined. I'm not going to be pigeonholed into that. Um, Cause I did, I, I overlaunched myself in 2022. And so now I'm just taking a step back and taking things on a, um, as I feel like it basis, which feels good. And that allows me to take a week off every month if I so choose. Um, and like it usually gets loaded really heavy at the end of the year. Cause it's a slow time anyway. Um, but then I get, I take some time off in the summer too.
0: I love that flexibility. And I, I mean, womp womp to wow. Well. stop it with these names, the best names out there.
1: It was in the copy. Believe it or not, it used to be called like the 28 day website copy intensive or something. And then as to Kira, Hugg, we were talking about her, she's like, Aaron, the name is in the copy itself. And I'm like, oh, great idea. Thanks. God bless Kira and Rob, man. Kira and Rob. They're my, my, some of my favorite people. Thanks. Um, So if you're interested in learning more about me or the course, you can go to aaronpennings.com. Um, it's right there on the homepage or it should be it's under like shop if it's not there I'm always reworking my website again all these things I tell people to like leave it alone can't leave it alone
0: (laughs) well and I'm glad you mentioned that writers especially I mean we can speak to that have a real issue with getting their own stuff up there and updated in a way that makes them feel proud and excited so this is needed I I'm really excited and please make sure when it it's live like you send me the link and I'll include that too
1: oh awesome uh, I will do that. It's actually always live. I just have okay. to open. It up, so
0: I got you. I got you. Yeah. Perfect. Aaron, right. thank you so much for being with us today and for being so open and vulnerable. And I'm sorry that I made you cry. Um, is this what <laughs> it feels like? I'm so sorry, but, but, but thank you for, for just being so raw about your experience. I know it's going to help so many people.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And, uh, I cry on a hair trigger, as it turns <laughs> out. So um if, if anyone wants someone to cry with them, like really just come at me with tears in your eyes and I'll be like, I got you.
0: <laughs> okay. I hope you mean that because I'll be in touch. I'm oh,
1: yeah, yeah. We
0: we need each other apparently. So we all need each other. All right. Well, thank you so much. thanks for joining me on this episode of reprogramming i hope you enjoyed it and i hope we'll see you here next time i would love if you can share this episode with your social network please tag me at reprogramming pod or at the lindsay hyatt on instagram and as always i so appreciate your reviews on spotify or apple podcasts and would be honored if you shared it with anyone who you think would benefit from this episode